Nationally syndicated financial columnist and author Terry Savage joins us. Hi, Terry. Hello, John. So we got you for half hour today. You've been following, as always, the markets, the interest rates, the whatnot. What's the headline for you today? Headline today is nothing is happening, but while we wait for the calls to come in, let me just make one point. I mean, the markets are kind of stagnant. It's, they're waiting for NVIDIA's earnings, but basically the interest rate markets and the stock market are waiting to see if the economy is poised to really slow down or if it's going to continue growing and then the Fed can't cut rates. And there's just, it's very quiet out there, like maybe the calm before the storm. But what, what and I noticed lately, you know, and I get a lot of posts on my Ask Terry blog at terrysavage.com from my readers and listeners. And I have, no, and so I'm sort of have an early warning signal. I'm beginning to see a lot of posts about dealing with credit card debt. And I think that might be because now by mid-February or almost at the end of February, people have received two credit card bills from the end of the holiday shopping binge. We know credit card debt is in an all-time high, over $1 trillion, and we know interest rates are very high, averaging over 20%, but with many people paying 28 and 29%. And suddenly I'm getting these calls, do I you know, take, do I contribute to my IRA or pay down my credit card debt, that kind of a thing. So I believe that credit card debt is starting to become worrying. And the other thing is, and I, I, I hunted for this, but I haven't seen any reports on that. And I also looked at what are the layoffs beginning to look like? Because here and there, but we've never seen an aggregate report, oh my goodness, layoffs. But we have companies like Nike, Mattel, PayPal, UPS, all laying off significant. Um, the biggest one was Paramount Global. Right after the Super Bowl, which they, you know, they made a ton of money on, they laid off 800 employees. So we're talking not about when I started in this business. The layoffs began with steel workers and auto workers, and that was the first sign of a recession. Yeah. But now we're talking about information workers. You know, the the quote better jobs, the the jobs of the future suddenly companies are getting a little bit conservative. So the high debt out there, the growing numbers of companies announcing layoffs has me a little bit worried. And if you've got credit card debt, that's your signal to figure out what you could do to earn more now while the economy strong and pay it off. Yeah, are you more worried about the types of jobs or the total number of jobs? Because unemployment is still very low. It is, and I know what worries me about the kind of jobs that are getting laid off is that these probably are people who in their life cycle, because they're, I'm just going to stereotype, okay, but I'm going to assume most of them are under 50 because they're working in jobs that you had to know stuff that those of us over 50 didn't know so much about. And in the last, we, we, even in 2007, 2008, the, the home builders laid off people, you, you know, and so forth. But these knowledge jobs, I'm going to label them, mm -hmm. they've never really had a downturn. Yeah. You know, the dot-com bubble burst. Okay, that was, you know, that was 24 no, years ago. No, but these ago. people did well during the pandemic. Yeah, uh, they did well during the pandemic. Yeah. yeah. They could work from home. They were really needed. They became more important. They knew how to Zoom, et cetera, et cetera. So I think a generation and a, a particular aspect of the generation is going to be shocked to claim unemployment. And that's, I think that's what's around the corner. But, you know, I have no crystal ball. I'm just saying these are just the signals I'm getting from the kind of responses I get from my readers. Terry, lines are lit up for you. Good. By the way,
Last week we talked about refunds. The IRS has received over 26 million tax returns so far this season, not mine yet, and has issued 13 billion Hmm. in tax refunds as of last week, the second filing week. So if you're expecting a refund, file electronically and get it quickly. Steve, you're on WGN with Terry Savage. Hi, Steve. Hey, good to hear from you guys. Terry, thanks so much for your show. I always appreciate your shows. You add so much value to people's lives. Thank you. Two quick questions. One, what's a conservative allocation for a uh, 70-year-old couple? And then the second quick question is, what do you think of target date funds in this um, environment, in this culture with so much uncertainty? Okay, let me start with target date funds. I've written about them before. People, they were created as a safe harbor default for your 401k. But by the time you're 70, you've probably retired. You've probably rolled over your old 401k into an IRA. And target date funds are not the answer, not the answer, not the answer. Now, what the appropriate allocation between stocks and bonds and growth stock funds and maybe income funds, that really depends a lot on your uh, withdrawal needs and an entire scenario of how much you could really, how much downside can you afford to risk when you're no longer contributing. That is why the moment at which you retire and do a rollover, go to terrysavage.com and look in the uh, columns for rollover, and you'll see an article about how to do that and how you can do it on your own uh, using conservative funds and some cash or some short-term bond funds. But if you're going to look for advice, it's like the airport where someone's standing there saying, do you need a ride? Do you need a ride? If they're offering you a ride, they shouldn't be there. Be very careful about getting advice. I always recommend fee-only fiduciary planners who will help you decide in conjunction with, here's the income needs, here's my health care insurance needs, Mm -hmm. and all that stuff. And you can find that at wealthramp.com, a fee-only fiduciary. I can't do that over the phone. In fact, I'd have to sit down with you for two or three hours, which is what a, a good financial planner will do, not someone who's trying to sell you an annuity or a thing. Terry, when uh, somebody uses that service, I hope that helps them. Thanks for the phone call, uh, Steve. Um, is that a one-time fee? Like I would pay you, I, I, I didn't have to go to that person every year, right? So I you, could- You don't, but many people find that they the first fee to set up the whole, you know, the first meeting on the phone is, of course, free. And you can describe what you, your situation is just the way Steve did. And then they say, well, here's what we do. We'll organize your taxes. We'll help you get someone to do your estate plan, which you haven't revised your will in 27 years and all that stuff. And for that, we'll charge a fee. And then they have a different fee for, you want to come back every six months or every year for an update? So maybe, or maybe they're managing your actual investments, but it's all upfront a fee. Wealthramp.com. Linnea, you're on WGN Radio with Terry Savage. How can we help you? Uh, um, thank you very much, and thank you, Terry, for being available to us. I have a, um, a Treasury Direct account that I would like to move into a Trust Treasury Direct account, and I wasn't sure if I had to like open something new or if I could move it somehow in. Actually, Linnea, that came up in a blog post, and I've been meaning to get in contact with my favorite guy, Joe, at Treasury Direct. If you will post that, go to terrysavage.com and post that as an Ask Terry question. I will 
paste it and copy it and paste it and send it to him because I was always told that you had to open a separate new account and use your same social security number. But someone recently wrote in, and I meant to do this, but I was traveling last week, and said, no, I found a way to do it. So post it at terrysavage.com on Ask Terry, and I'll answer it promptly after I talk to him. Linnea, good luck. And this is Dawn. You're on WGN. Dawn, how can we help you? You're on the air. Hello. Thank you so much for taking my call. Sure. My old boss, I quit working for him after 30 years last March, two-person office. I always did the taxes. He didn't send me a W-2, and he's not taking my calls. I made sure I have the data. How do I file my taxes? It's, I think... If he's not taking your calls, I think a written email to him saying W-2 forms were supposed to be out by the end of June. Oh, who was the accounting firm that you're, you knew that? Did they have an accounting firm? No, I was the bookkeeper. Okay. And I (laughs) told him in November to send for the form. All right. I think what you need to do is put in writing. That since you have not received your W-2 form, your only recourse is to go directly to the IRS and report him and suggest that he find an accounting firm immediately because he's unjustly delaying your filing of your income taxes. If you know your income and your taxes, though, that's the main thing, right? No, you need that W-2 form because it'll come back as unmatched and unverified because, Linnea, I bet you were sending the stuff to the IRS also that was the transmittal of what you paid out right and along with the w-2 form a copy goes to the irs i worked for him but yeah i quit last march and he no no but at that time you were sending those things to the irs i was giving them to him to sign i don't think he's paid taxes in 10 years oh that's another story and he hasn't reported your taxes i just want my w-2 did you file last year yeah. With a I W-2. File, I okay. always send in the W-2 and W-3 form every Does year company, so that I could file me, my own Linnea, taxes. Was there a lawyer for this little company? No. No lawyer, no accounting firm, just you. Yeah, right. She's the, okay. She does it all. I think um, post that, please, at my Ask Terry blog. You don't have to give the name of the company. And let me try and find out exactly what you should be doing specifically. I, I mean, I know that's illegal, but I, and I know he's going to get in trouble, but let's get you safe. Let's get him in W-2. trouble, I say. Good luck to you, Don. Hey, Terry, thank you Hi, for Don. your information. Yeah. My question is, if Capital One and Discover Card merge, what happens to the stock is split? Will it increase in value after everything shocks out? Well, off. that's a good question. I just was listening to our news. It said the market's giving it a 50-50 chance. Under the current administration, which is very antitrust motivated, there's a sense that they don't want anybody to merge at all or anything. But as I said, um, I guess yesterday afternoon to Lisa, the possibility is that this merger could make Capital One strong enough to challenge the existing duopoly between Visa and MasterCard. So I'm going to give it a better than 50-50 chance of, of going through in between the approvals required. Who knows what will happen to the stock? And I would guess that the stock would be a buy 
if the mer- of the, the surviving stock of Capital One, yeah. unless it's gone up already, would be the, a kind of a buy on the opportunity they have to really disrupt the credit card market in a positive way for consumers and small businesses, which get charged fixed interchange fees that Visa and MasterCard charge. So I think it's a good idea for a merger. I don't know how the stock will bounce around, and I, but I'm more optimistic about it being approved. That's Terry Savage. She'll take more of your calls and text messages next week, but we're done with her this week. You uh, got you got stuff to do and places to I go, do. my friend. Thank you, my dear. I'll see you next week. So go and do Terry Savage, and she'll join us again next Wednesday. Lucia Annunzio joins us now, president and CEO of the Center for High Performance. She is an associate adjunct professor also of management at the University of Chicago Booth School of Business. Lucia, this is John Williams. You're on WGN. How are you? Hi, John. It's a pleasure to be back on your show. Thanks for inviting me. So tell us again about the Center for High Performance. The Center for High Performance is a research-based consulting firm. We've done global research on the factors that accelerate profitable growth in, uh, in, around the world. And it won't surprise you, what really makes a difference is how people are treated. Yeah, not I guess I'm not, not surprised to hear that, but what are you talking about yeah. more specifically? Well, in high-performing groups, people feel valued. They get to use their brains. People want, uh, bosses want to know their opinions, what they think, whether or not um, they believe the direction we're going in the company is correct. They get input. They trust people to know how to accomplish their goals versus micromanaging them. And those are very significant differences around the world. I mean, you have to have a strategy, of course. It has to be based on customer needs. But if it's not coupled with treating people as though they're smart, the likelihood of you getting maximum benefit is very low, according to our research. Well, there was a piece in the Wall Street Journal, and it talked about the business meeting where people are maybe providing input, but... Um, oh, it's only after the meeting that people are honest, that they let their guard down enough to actually say how they feel or maybe something that might be constructive. I, I suspect that's not an uncommon scenario, huh? No, the meeting after the meeting is really globally universal. It's where the real subjects are talked about, what people really think. Sadly, most people don't believe that their input in a meeting matters. If you think about it, the main purpose of any team is to make good decisions. And if people are afraid and literally uncomfortable stating their opinion or their data, that waters down the decision-making process. Yeah. I guess, you know, it's funny because I, I don't go to those kind of meetings. I'm in a different kind of business. But I don't know how many times I've walked out of a studio or out of a venue, mm-hmm. and that's yes. where walking to the car the really good stuff happens. And I think, oh, crap, why didn't we capture this on the air? And I suppose yeah. the, the interview subject on the air or maybe somebody I talked to on stage felt a little reserved, you know, in that venue. And then they're so good in the parking lot. Exactly. And the same thing happens in the meeting after the meeting. People are very articulate in expressing their point of view. But in companies, the difference is people don't feel it's safe to put, uh, express their point of view in the real meeting. Mm-hmm. It's not because they can't get their words or because they're inarticulate, which might happen on the show because you're nervous. It's because they really believe some harm will happen, even if it's a false belief. And now with Zoom, the meeting after the meeting happens in the meeting. 
people in the meeting are constantly texting each other. Can you believe the boss said that? Oh, yeah. What a dumb idea. Instead of saying, you know, I really don't understand what you're thinking. Help me, un- help me realize why you think the company should go in that direction. People think there will be a consequence if they raise what they really think. I presume the onus here is on the boss then. So what do the bosses exactly. do? So what do the bosses do to get over that? Well, the first thing is they have to become real. You know, one of the things that surprises me is that many people have never had a real conversation with their boss. They don't see him as a human being. And people work for people. So get out there, talk to people. You know, a lot of people are going back to work now. People are in the office. Walk around. Ask people what's going on. Ask them what they're thinking. Ask them what their kids are doing. Become real. But if you begin to do that on a regular basis, people will start to trust you. And then you can start asking questions like, what's, what's concerning people on the team? Are there any things that um, people want to talk about? Yeah. Are there any subjects that people think are off, off limit? You'd be surprised how many people will, will let down their guard once they think you're real, once they think you're a human being who cares. And maybe, if I may, once they think that you're not going to yell at them or demote them or take money away from them or something like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, I, I've been in instances where a boss who I later came to trust was somebody mm-hmm. who I didn't know well enough to speak my truth at first. Mm-hmm. And yes. until I know you, how do I know you're not going to scream at me or uh, there'll be hell to pay? Exactly. If you don't know that, and when, when I work with teams, one of the things we do is after a team meeting or when we first begin to work together is we go out to dinner together mm. and we have some icebreaker exercise where people get to know each other in a totally different light. So, for example, we, with one team, we had an album made of them growing up and they just kind of told their story from when they were a kid till now. And it was amazing how many of the stories had things in common, how funny they were, and how the team bonded over growing up, which really improved their trust, as you said, their ability to speak their truth in meetings. Yeah. I suppose the boss needs to do that binder as well, right? Yeah. Oh, of course. Yeah. And wait. You know, wait. Don't do it first. Let other people start the discussion. Let other people set the bar. So you know, it's our, also in pop. Go ahead. Well, I, you just made me think. Um, our sales staff, I think, just yesterday had sort of a team event where they all went and did something together. Are you a fan mm-hmm. of those things where we all go to the um, the maze, or we all go out and bowl, or we all go out and have lunch and you know do something away from the office? Or is that just a perk? <laughs> That's kind of a waste of time. Well, it would be hard pressed to say I'm against it, but if it's a point in time that has no real purpose other than socialization, and it's not followed up, people begin to mistrust those. They begin to resent them. Oh, Oh, God, I got to go to this thing after work. I want to go home and be with my kids. I think that if you do things like that, there needs to be some explicit purpose. Like if you're going to go to a maze, have, have a facilitator. How did we go through the maze? What did we learn? How did we solve the problem? Does this does this have any relationship to how we solve problems on a team? What did we do well? What could we do better? And how can we apply that moving forward? Give me... now, I do think you should just go out and have fun sometime. Don't think I'm a, <laughs> a total idiot. 
Uh, Lucia, just give me one other quick tip here. So I'm a boss or I'm a manager. Uh, I want mm-hmm. to get as much from my employees out of them as I can at the meeting. Anything else mm-hmm. we should do to encourage that kind of honest participation? Well, I, I'd suggest two things. One is when somebody says something unpopular and you don't like it, you don't like it so much that you want to cringe, thank the person. Say, it must have been hard to bring that up. I really appreciate it. (laughs) And then instead of dismissing it out of hand, ask them, help me understand your thinking. I don't get it, because that's the truth. Mm. The the second thing is to ask open-ended questions. Instead of always stating your opinion, as soon as you state your opinion, people believe there's no other way of doing it. But instead of stating your opinion, ask people what they think. And get the conversation going. Lucia Nunzio is the president and CEO of the Center for High Performance and associate professor and adjunct professor of management at the University of Chicago Booth School of Business. Really interesting report. Really interesting conversation. As always, thanks for joining us. Thank you, John. You always bet. good being on your show. Lucia Nunzio. This is the Wintrust Business Lunch. More business news now. Here's Steve Grzanich. Start your timer. It's time for the Wintrust Business Minute, sharing Chicago's business news of the day. Deerfield based Walgreens is being replaced. Based on the Dow Jones Industrial Average, the pharmacy chain will be replaced by Amazon effective February 26th. The change is set to happen prior to the start of trading next Monday. The addition of Amazon is a major milestone in the retailer's continuing expansion, but another setback for Walgreens, which has seen its value drop during the past year. The company did narrow its losses in the most recent quarter to $278 million from $3.8 billion a year ago. Walgreens has been a Dow component since 2018. A company that makes cultivated meat is slowing its expansion, and that means a project in Glenview is on hold for now. Upside Foods had plans for a production plant on the site of the former Allstate campus in Glenview. Crane says the company will expand its existing operations in California before continuing the project at the new logistics campus along I-294 in Glenview. Upside says it still plans to build a facility in the future. Upside Foods grows meat, poultry, and seafood from animal cells. I'm Steve Britanich, and that's your Wintrust Business Minute. Got the business of food now with Steve Alexander. Yeah, thank you. And let's see who's on the phone. Sure. Name is Alex Tank, CEO, Fork Farms. <laughs> Tell us what you were doing just 10 years ago, Alex. I was living in New York City. I actually was a opera singer in my first career. More about his second and current career after I thank the Chevy Silverado and ChevyDriveChicago.com for sponsoring us today. There's never been a better time to put a Silverado in your toolbox. Former opera singer Alex Tank sells a box. It fits in a three foot by three foot area. It's about five and a half feet tall. And in that box, people are growing a lot of food. 20 to 25 pounds of food every month. Alex became a fan of hydroponic growing in New York City. I thought I was going to become the lettuce king of Brooklyn. But it's really expensive to live and work there, so... Maybe I'll be the lettuce king of Appleton, Wisconsin. And looking at the rapidly expanding market for indoor farming, he decided to pick a lane. Yeah, being a small company, we had to choose to be best in the world at one thing first. So... We chose to focus on kids. So we've really been going after the K-12 area, and we have a mobile app that has curriculum in it and coloring books and lesson plans for teachers and videos that students can watch. There's there's math lessons to be had here. There's humanities lessons to be had here. I mean, we're not just 
teaching kids how to grow food. We're teaching them what does philanthropy mean and what is it like out there in the hunger relief system and how does all that work. Alex's grow boxes, which are technically called the Flex Farm, are in some of the CPS schools and now they're going to college, Marquette University in Milwaukee. We're actually going to have an office on site at Marquette. So we have a good sized team in the city of Milwaukee and so they'll be housed on campus now which is a huge opportunity for us to integrate with their uh, business school and with the biology school. And we see lots of opportunities to do collaborative work and research. Fork Farms CEO and founder Alex Tank, former New York City opera singer. Care to rip off an aria for us, Alex? (laughs) Yeah, no, no, you wouldn't want that. Um, I haven't practiced in probably a decade. Forkfarms.com for more info. On the food calendar, it's National Sticky Bun Day. I'm Steve Alexander. That's the business of food on 720 WGN. John Wilber joins us, president of Air Brands and Chicago Hospitality Partners. If you go to O'Hare, you might get something to eat or something to drink, and they're trying to improve the fare out there, and that's John's job. Hey, John, welcome to WGN. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Sounds like a big task, my friend. Well, it keeps us busy. Yeah. Um, what do you make of the food and beverage programs, that is, the options for the travelers at O'Hare? Well, I think that it's due for a makeover. Um, I think that uh, it's a safe uh, assumption these days. Yeah, right. And so then what does Chicago Hospitality Partners do about that? You've been sort of tapped to, uh, I know there's a couple places in place already, a third one's coming up, the Dearborn, but what do you do? So my team identifies local restaurants, local restaurateurs, chefs, minority-owned businesses, and we attempt to translate their brand in the restaurant. So bringing fresh brands and ideas to the restaurant, to the airport. And how do they get to be one of those people? Suppose I run a restaurant in Chicago or a bar. I'd love to be at O'Hare. Do they have to ask me or do I ask them? Well, typically, the airport will establish the, the, the need for a particular cuisine or a, uh, a fare that has been requested by either you know, airline passengers or they just identify a gap in, in their offering. So the typical process is the airport will put out a, a RFP or a request for a proposal. Mm-hmm. And what we do is we'll partner with individual brands to help um, execute and, and deliver that concept as a partner. So you have already delivered then in Terminal 5, Bar Siena, and Hampton, the Hampton Social, right? Right. Um, it's an ongoing multi-year phase-in. So that project took us into this year, and um, we've got some other, um, some other projects that will bring us into next year. But the, uh, the word on the street is that the airport will be, um, will be announcing a redevelopment for Quite a, quite a bit of the restaurants that are currently in, in existence in Terminals 1 and 3. So we're expecting to have a number of restaurant announcements and, and partnerships announced and, uh, and, and, and momentum moving forward. How hard is it for those places to do good food and beverage service? Uh, maybe because of where they're located or the kinds of customers? I don't know. Is it like any other venue or is there something unique about delivering good food at an airport? Well, you know, I would say that at one point... Um, the airport cuisine left a lot to be desired, but with the airport's focus on local and a sense of place, which is the terminology that's being used now, local suppliers, local restaurants, local ownership, they bring an elevated experience. So 
I can tell you that with the restaurants, I can speak to the restaurants we've launched, the food and the quality of the, of the experience at the airport is on par with what you get in the city at the brick and mortar location. So, so what's it like at Bar Siena? What's, what's the cuisine? What's the beverage? Well, the, the Bar Siena in, in, uh, is really known for its, its um, handmade pizzas and pastas and um, uh, signature items designed by Chef Fabio Viviani, who, um, as you know, is a um, fan favorite. Top chef, right? Um, top chef fan favorite, right. So yeah. he, he's an extremely talented um, uh, restaurateur, chef, and, and he helped us, helped Bar Siena with the, uh, as a partner, uh, design and execute these uh, these 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 wonderful dishes that are, are keep keep our our customers coming back time after time. No, this is anecdotal, but I just uh, it's funny. It wasn't that long ago. My family and I were talking about it. You go to O'Hare. We're the kind of people that like to get there early, like even an hour and a half, and then or maybe you're doing a layover. But anyway, the you eat and drink at the airport, and and some airports are great. And some airports are lousy. And the attitude about what we've had at O'Hare for the last several years is not good. Um, so I'm, I'm, uh, I want to encourage you to <laughs> do what you're doing. Um, wh- what airports would you say the food is great at or the service is great at? If I were dining at an airport in America, where would I likely get a good meal? Well, you know, I think that if you look at the airports nationwide now, um, you know, at one point, airports were designed primarily to move traffic, move people from the the concourse into the plane and from the plane uh, departing and arriving passengers. And they they were not conceived primarily with the amenities, customer amenities in mind. Now, when you look at airports, I mean, they're essentially huge shopping malls. Yeah. With the air, yeah. air, air, airlines serving as, as anchors. Yeah. But if you ask me which yeah. airports around the country have some of the best dining, um, you might look at some of the new, um, uh, you might look at Dallas-Fort Worth. I know our own hometown airport in Chicago with a number of the recent upgrades has been named some of the best food in, believe it or not, in the country. So we're very proud of that, um, that Chicago um, accolade. But there's definitely work we can do, right? There's 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 a number of, of, of locations that are up for renewal and, and, and redevelopment. So I would say stay tuned for some exciting things to come. I saw interested restaurants, vendors, or talent seeking to learn more about potential airport opportunities. Please visit. Click the button below. Are you guys hiring? Yeah, we are hiring. Um, as a matter of fact, we, our, our company, Chicago Hospitality Partners, has been awarded one of the food and beverage developments at O'Hare in over a decade. So it, it was long overdue. So with our um, the recent uh, uh, launch or debut of, of the restaurants you mentioned, the Bar Siena, the Hampton Social, the Dearborn, and a few others, um, our, our team is, is now one of the largest U.S.-based uh, food and beverage developers at the airport in Chicago. So, yeah, um, yeah. yeah we're, we're looking to hire, you know, and we've hired already over 100 employees and, and, and looking to hire another 100. John Wober, president of Air Brands and Chicago Hospitality Partners. Click on chpord.com or airbrandsinc.com. John, stay in touch. Good luck. I'm glad you were able to give us some time today. Thank you so much. Likewise. John Wober.